What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? What does it mean to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Or to have the Spirit come upon you? Or to be overflowing in the Spirit? Are these things talking about what takes place at salvation? Or is there something that takes place afterwards? Like anything else, there's some controversy. People believe different things in the church. Some believe that some churches, although they're genuine believers, don't have the Holy Spirit. I grew up in a church that did not believe that, uh, I grew up in a church, first of all, that was a United Methodist, and then I went to a church that was a Pentecostal church and later on a charismatic church, and they didn't believe that a church that didn't believe in the empowering or the baptism of the Spirit genuinely had the Holy Spirit in their lives. Make sure I get the comment section up here. Um, let me see. I want to go back here and there we go. There you are. All right. Sorry. I had to get some things taken care of. Didn't quite everything, have everything together, but I grew up in a church or I, I at least began to go to a church when I was a teenager that believed in the baptism of the Holy spirit. They were highly critical of other churches that didn't believe in the baptism of the spirit. Then I found myself in churches that didn't believe in a second experience like baptism or filling or receiving and they spoke of the charismatic and the Pentecostal churches as if they didn't know what they were talking about. Scripture brings us to the proper point of making sure that we understand what the Bible has to say about receiving the Holy Spirit. I want to do this through three things. Number one, do we receive the Holy Spirit when we get saved? This is an important point for those who say you don't have the Holy Spirit. And I don't think that we gain any more of the Holy Spirit if God empowers us later. Number two, is there a second experience in the Holy Spirit or with the Holy Spirit? Number three, how do I receive the Holy, the, how do I receive the power of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit in my, in my little overlay there? Um, number one, how do you receive or do you receive the Holy Spirit when you've been saved? The short answer to this is yes. You cannot be saved without the Holy Spirit. He brings you, he's with you before you're saved, and he comes in you in the moment that you are saved. Look at what it says in John 14, 17. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, he dwells in you, with you, and will be in you. That is, when you are born again, the Holy Spirit will come inside of you. Listen to another one in 1 Corinthians 12, 13. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. It's only by the work of the Spirit that you can receive Christ. And this doesn't mean people can't parrot the words, Jesus is Lord, just parrot. It means saying it meaningfully and receiving him and being born again. Listen to another passage. This is Romans 8, 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. We could say Romans 8, 9 another way. If you are his, then you have the Spirit of Christ. It, it, he is inside of you. And so when you are born again, you receive the Holy Spirit. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? 
But your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and you receive him at the moment that you are born again. And then in 1 John 4, 4, it says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So that makes it clear. We receive the Holy Spirit when we are born again. However, is there a second experience of the Holy Spirit? Is there, is there a baptism of the Spirit, like some say, where you receive Christ and you follow him, but you can be empowered by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, overflowing with the Holy Spirit? It would seem that the Bible teaches, yes, there is a second experience of the Holy Spirit. Listen to what it says in Acts 8, 14 through 17. This is the region of Samaria. The Samaritans have received the gospel and they are born again. They truly have committed their lives to Christ. In fact, look at verse 12 before, let's see if I don't have verse 12 up here. All right, um, before this in verse 12, it says they heard Philip, they were baptized and they believed. They are genuinely saved. Listen to what it says. This is Acts 8, 14 through 17. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had yes, uh, for as yet he had not fallen upon any of them. That word upon is going to become important here. The Holy Spirit coming upon you. They had been genuinely saved, but he had come upon none of them. He was in them. He was with them before salvation. He was in them at salvation. And then he came upon them when they laid hands on them and prayed for them. It says they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord. Now, this seems like that's a reference to baptism in the spirit. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord. He had fallen upon none of them. It doesn't directly call it baptism of the spirit, but it does say they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, making a reference to the infilling, the empowering, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. John said that Jesus was going to come and baptize you with hold the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so Jesus would baptize in the Holy Spirit. And we are all baptized into the body of Christ when we are born again. And the Bible says that. And I realize that. But that doesn't mean that there's not a second experience or a baptism with the Spirit that is different than what happens when the Holy Spirit moves inside of you when you are baptized into Christ. Look at this next passage. I had to make this into smaller letters because it's, um, so, um, it's so long. This is an interesting passage. Apollos is in Corinth. There's a group of believers there that have been baptized in the baptism of John, but they haven't been saved yet. The real interesting part is what happens to them when they are saved. They are saved and then they receive the Holy Spirit. It's close, but listen to what it says. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now this means we can receive the empowering, the baptism, the filling, when we commit our lives to Christ. We can be saved and then we can be empowered by the Holy Spirit. He then says, they said to him, we have not so much as heard that there was a Holy Spirit. This is a red flag for him. So he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said into the baptism of John. So now we see that they knew of John's baptism, but they didn't know about Christ. 
And so then, then Paul said, John indeed baptized you with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they all should, that they should believe on him that would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, which means they got saved. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So they were saved and then baptized. And then afterwards he laid hands upon them and they were empowered with gifts and they prayed and they were baptized. Again, it's like Acts 8, 14 through 17, you have salvation, then you have a second experience with the Holy Spirit. Now, before we go on to how we ask for the Holy Spirit, let me just say a couple of things about that. First of all, I do believe that there's a second experience. I believe it's an empowering. In Acts 1.5, Jesus told them, John told you that I would baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Terry in Jerusalem, in Acts 1.8, he says, you wait in Jerusalem and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And so these guys receive the Holy Spirit in John 20. In John 20, he breathes on them and they receive the Holy Spirit. And then they're going to receive the Holy Spirit again in Acts 2 after they wait in Jerusalem for 50 days. So either they weren't saved in Acts 20 when Jesus breathed on them to receive the Holy Spirit, which how could you receive the Holy Spirit and not be saved? Or then Acts chapter 2 is a regeneration. It's them being filled with the Spirit. You can't have it both ways. There was a second experience for them. They had received Christ, they had been born again, and then they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that was in Acts chapter 2. Now, I don't believe it's going to happen for, I don't think it's going to happen ever like it did in Acts chapter 2. Maybe not even in Acts 10 when you have what's called the Gentile baptism or the Spirit being poured out upon the Gentiles. But I believe that each of us can call on the name of the Lord and receive the power of the Holy Spirit, that it's there for us to ask. Now, how do we receive the power of the Holy Spirit? First of all, we, can, we, we must be born again. In Acts 2.38, Peter said to them, repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So again, he makes the being baptized for the remission of sins and receiving the gift two different things. Not that they wouldn't have received the Holy Spirit when they were born again, but receiving the gift of the Spirit after they were born again. He makes it two different things. You have to genuinely be born again. If you are not, now is the time. What are you waiting for? Call on the name of the Lord. Ask him to forgive you. Make a choice to believe God, which means you believe what he said, that he rose Jesus from the dead and he sent him to die for your sins. Receive it, believe it, stand in it, and you will be saved. And then you can receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, a couple more things. Acts 8, 14 through 17 says that they laid hands on them. Look at the last part of this. We read the first part already. The last part says they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So I do believe that we can, that we can receive the Holy Spirit by the, by the laying on of hands. This doesn't mean everybody. It means that we can go and ask people to. And I still to this day will lay hands on people and pray for them to receive the Holy Spirit. 
I don't think that this makes you a super Christian. I don't think that if you receive the power of the Holy Spirit and you are gifted to do the works God's called you to do, that you ought to say, they're not a spirit-filled church. They're not a spirit-filled believer. We all have the Holy Spirit. It just means that when we're doing the work that God's called us to do, that he empowers us. I believe that not only is there a second experience of the Holy Spirit, but a third, a fourth, a fifth, and so on. That every time that we call out on the name of the Lord, that we find ourselves, that every time that we call out on the name of the Lord, that we find ourselves, uh, that we want to do something for him, that the Holy Spirit can fill us and empower us to be able to do it. And if you've been born again, but never receive the power of the Holy Spirit, then I want to pray for you. I want to do that before we go into our Q&A section. And our Q&A section is going to be just questions about the Holy Spirit, specifically the baptism of the Holy Spirit. All right? Uh, we'll take other questions. We'll have a Q&A uh, Wednesday at 4 o'clock. We can talk about anything. But this is about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Number one, yes, you receive the Holy Spirit when you're born again. Number two, the, the Bible does teach that there's a second experience of the Holy Spirit. We see them definitely born again and then receiving the Spirit, the gift of the Spirit, being empowered. doesn't matter to me what you want to call it. You can debate about it, call it whatever you want to call it, but receive the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to take questions on that. If you have a question, then write the word question before your question, write it out, reread it a couple of times, make sure it makes sense, and you're asking what you want to ask. And if you have references, put them in there. We can look uh, those references up, by the way. Uh, so, um, and then again, reread it a couple of times, and we will make sure uh, to be able to take a look at those questions. So I want to pray for you. Father, I want to pray for those who are listening or who are watching right now, who have never received the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would empower them, that the Spirit would come upon them, that they would receive it today. I pray, Lord, that we would want all of your empowering. We know we have all of the Holy Spirit when we are born again, but we don't want the, a measure to be given to us. We want the Holy Spirit in the fullness. And I don't mean the fullness of the Spirit, Lord. I mean the fullness. We want everything that you have for us when it comes to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so I pray that you would fill them with the Spirit. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, so let's go ahead and take some questions. It's good to see you guys. Our questions today are specifically on the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit in general. All right, so only questions that have to do with the Holy Spirit. So it's really good to see you guys. If you have a question, then you can write the word question down, write your question out, read it a couple of times, add any references, and we'll be able to find them. Um, we'll be able to look at them today in, um, in the scriptures. I'll be able to put them up on the screen. Sorry, hard for me to multitask. Um, it's live. I wanted to make sure to get my Bible up so we can do that. All right. And one more thing here. I want to make sure that my phone stays on. All right. So let me get back to my Bible. There we go. All right. So we have a question, first of all, from Empress Kimberly. Empress, good to see you. A question. A baptism of the Holy Spirit and a fire. Was the fire the sign for the apostles? You do have the tongues of fire that are seen on the day of Pentecost, on the 120 who are in the upper room, when the Holy Spirit comes in like a rushing wind. We don't see that again. 
uh, John said he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. When you go back and you look at that in context, he says that he's going to divide the wheat from the chaff and he's going to put the wheat into a barn and burn the chaff with fire and then that he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, some people get really upset with me when I talk about this. So, hey, you can believe what you want to believe, all right? But he's talking in context there about baptizing some in fire, meaning destruction, and baptizing others with the Holy Spirit. Doesn't mean you are on fire for Jesus. Doesn't mean you might not be able to use the baptism of the Spirit as a symbol of being on fire for Christ. But what it does mean is that that particular passage in fire means you're either going to have the Holy Spirit or destruction. Jesus is going to be the one who baptizes people in both. And we want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, not in destruction. Now, when I say this, 20 years ago I said this, and I had a a gal who left our church because of it. And we have people that will get upset for us for saying this because we've heard so much about, you know, be on fire for Jesus and live on fire. He's going to baptize you in fire. And it's kind of like, okay, that could be good. Maybe you have other passages that could speak to that. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire in context can't be that. But he is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit, which is going to give you power to be able to do the work that God's called you to do. I think that when we learn to be led by the Spirit, guided by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, that's when we walk the most successful Christian life. I think that if we aren't looking for the leading, the guiding, or the empowering of the Holy Spirit, and it doesn't, again, it doesn't matter to me. If you're a Christian, you say, I don't believe in a second experience. That's okay. But you know you're still empowered by the Holy Spirit. Like I said before, I believe in a third, a fourth, a fifth empowering of the Holy Spirit. So thank you, Kimberly. I appreciate that. Again, if you guys have a question, write the word question down, uh, then write it, read it a couple times, make sure it makes sense add any references that we can take time to look up. All right, so Jari has a question. Jari says, uh, can you lose the Holy Spirit if you sin? Did King Saul have the Holy Spirit or not? All right, thanks Jari, I appreciate that. In the Old Testament, God didn't pour his spirit out on everyone. He poured his spirit out on leaders, on kings, on prophets, on judges. Samson had the Holy Spirit, and had the Holy Spirit taken from him. Saul had the Holy Spirit and had the Holy Spirit taken from him. David, after he sinned with Bathsheba, prayed that he would not have the Holy Spirit removed from him in Psalms 51. In the New Testament, Joel being quoted in Acts chapter 2, it says that God said that he would pour out his Spirit on all flesh in the last days. The last days there mean the age of the church, the time of the church, and that he would pour out his spirit on on everyone. And the young men would see visions and the old men would dream dreams. I'm still dreaming dreams, by the way, just so you know. Um, But now the Holy Spirit is poured on all of us who are genuine believers. Now, whether or not you believe you could lose the Holy Spirit, you you could have the Holy Spirit taken from you, Jari, depends on what you believe about once saved, always saved. Do you believe that when someone is genuinely saved, that they are going to make it into heaven now? That they will endure because they have been genuinely saved? Or do you believe that someone can deliberately walk away 
You can't separate yourself from the love of God, the Bible says, but many people are loved by God and don't follow him. And if you walk away, then the Holy Spirit would be taken from you if you believe that you could fall away and actually leave your salvation, make a decision to leave it. I vacillate on that. I lean towards once saved, always saved, but I just got to be honest. There's way too many passages in the Bible to, to really be able, I think, to have a significant stance on it. That doesn't mean you can't. You can have a stance however you want to have it. I'm just saying for me, honestly looking at it, I have trouble with it. Um, like I said, I lean towards once you're genuinely saved, he's gonna, he'll leave the 99 and go after you. I walked away from the Lord at 19 years old and God came after me. A year later, he brought me back and it was a genuine work that he was doing in my life to bring me back into that relationship with him. So when I was born again at 14 years old, I received the Holy Spirit. Then I walked away and then I returned again to Christ. And when I did, then he, he continued to work with me in the Holy Spirit. And I believe that if you are genuinely say this is Eileen, that you can't, the Holy Spirit's not going to be taken from you. It is the seal of our salvation. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. Bible also says we're all baptized into one spirit, talking about baptism into the family of God. But baptism is a broad term that means immersion. So we are baptized by one spirit into the family of God. We are immersed into the family of God by one spirit. And then, and we are baptized by water, representing the death and resurrection of Christ. And then it seems that there's a reference to a baptism. Jesus at least said this in Acts 1-5, that they were to wait for Acts 1-5 through 8, they, they were to wait in Jerusalem for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I think sometimes we, we lose nuance. We forget that the term baptism can mean more than just one thing. It means being baptized with water. It means being immersed into the kingdom of God, the family of God. It means being baptized with the Holy Spirit, that you would receive, that you would be covered, that you would be filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't think that that's a bad term, especially in the light of uh, Acts 8, 14 through 17, that they were saved, but had not been, had only been baptized in the name of Jesus and not in the Holy Spirit. So I think that's making a reference to it. And I don't think that you can hide that passage. I don't think you can do away with it. All right. So thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, we have another question here from Tyler. Tyler says, question, what was the Holy Spirit doing before Jesus ascended? So um, the Holy Spirit was still here on earth and still with him. He had not come into the church yet. Jesus had told them in John 14, this is the upper room discourse in the book of John, the Holy Spirit is with you and he will be in you. Later on, he will say he will come upon you. So the Holy Spirit had been with them. Remember, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove on Jesus so that Jesus had received the Holy Spirit upon his baptism. He was baptized and he received the Holy Spirit there and, and walked in the Spirit. So the Spirit was with Christ. The Spirit led him. Uh, the Spirit was with the disciples and I think with others throughout the Old Testament period. But when Christ ascended, the Holy Spirit came in a unique way and was poured out into all flesh, like it says in the book of Joel so that everyone received the Holy Spirit, so that everyone who was born again genuinely receives the Holy Spirit. It seems that this second, third, fourth, fifth experience 
is an empowering and not something, as I said, to be bragged about. I'm a spirit filled believer. Well, if you are, then you'll walk in love. If you are, then the spirit will be teaching you how to walk in humility. And if you haven't received the Holy Spirit that you would ask for him to do that. So that's what I think, Tyler. Thank you for your question, by the way. That's what I think that the Holy Spirit was doing. It was here. It was in certain people. We know it was in Samson. It was in Saul. It was in David. The Holy Spirit was in leaders when it was here on the earth, but it wasn't inside the church. Today, the Holy Spirit is doing something unique, working inside of the church as light and salt, restraining the things that are happening in the world, using us to be able uh, to touch people's hearts and lives um, and being filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit. All right. Let's see if this is a question here. All right. Uh, so that's not a question. So we have another question here from Jari. Jari, good to see you again. Jari says, follow up. How will the Holy Spirit work during the millennial kingdom? When Jesus is ruling on the earth, will he be with the Father? Thank you. Um, I'm going to do a whole video on the millennium kingdom and what happens during it. Um, just kidding. Uh, we get a lot of questions about the millennium uh, kingdom. Um, I don't know, Jari. Uh, Jesus is going to be on the throne. The Father and the Son, I mean, the Father and the Holy Spirit will obviously be doing some things and working, but how exactly the Spirit works in the area of the millennium is something I've never looked into. Are there passages that give us insight into it? Maybe. Other than that, I don't know. So I think the Holy Spirit will be working, but I'm not sure how his work will be distinct from what he's doing now, what he does during the tribulation period, and then what he does during the millennium. All right. Thank you very much, Jari. I appreciate that. Um, we have a question from Kay. Kay says, uh, let me go ahead and bring this on. Kay says, what specifics does, uh, does the Holy Spirit in my day, uh, in my day today, is God involved in these decisions or choices with the Holy Spirit? All right. What specifics does the Holy Spirit have in my life today is what I think you're asking. Is God involved in these decisions and choices with the Holy Spirit? Okay. So, okay. So first of all, I mean, the way you word it, um, the Holy Spirit is God and is a person right? God in three persons, blessed Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Ananias and Sapphira were accused of lying to the Holy Spirit. Then he said, you've not lied to men, but you've lied to God. So God is the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Spirit is God, okay? The Son is God. The Father is God. And so, um, how is he involved in your um, is God involved in these decisions? Well, the Holy Spirit is God who is inside of you. And the Father and the Son have also dwelt inside of you. So there is a very real way in which God lives inside of each one of us. So what specifics does the Holy Spirit have in your life day to day? Okay. Um, well, I think first of all, we live and move and have our being in the Spirit of God. Secondly, He leads you and guides you fills you, empowers you. You have the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It is incredibly important for a believer to walk in the Spirit, not only for the work that God has called you to do. Can you imagine trying to do the work God's called you to do in your flesh? 
not being empowered by the Holy Spirit. I want God's Spirit to empower me to do everything that God has called me me to do. Um, This concept that the Holy Spirit is God, when um, Star Wars first came out in 1976, I stood in line forever to see the movie. And afterwards, my Christian friends were saying, is that amazing? It's got the Holy Spirit in it, the force, and how we can use the Holy Spirit to do things. What a mistake. The Holy Spirit is not a force that we can learn. The dro- These are not the drones you're looking for. These are not the drones. It's not like we can use it like that. The Holy Spirit leads and guides and empowers us to do as He wills. He even gives His Spirit to those that He wills to be able to do the work that God has called them to do. So, um, the Holy Spirit is doing all kinds of things in your life, Kay, uh, more than what you can even possibly imagine. Uh, you want to surrender yourself to the leading of the Spirit. You want to surrender yourself to the Scriptures. The Holy Spirit has inspired the Scriptures, so everything the Bible says has been inspired by the Spirit of God. He works all around us, and Christ holds all things together. All right, so we have another question here. Uh, a couple more. A uh, question from again from Kay. Kay says, what separates us from the Holy Spirit's work within us? Well, I think you can grieve the Holy Spirit. The Bible says don't grieve him. I think you can walk in your flesh and you're not walking by the Spirit. So the Spirit's leading you. And it seems like Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit being like a wind that blows. It seems like we are guided by the Spirit. And when we live in the flesh, and don't seek the Spirit, then we find ourselves not being guided, led by the Spirit of God. I think that if we're involved in unrepentant, unconfessed sin, that we cannot expect to be led by the Holy Spirit. We want to have that genuine heart for God with all sincerity, without hypocrisy, that God might be able to fill us and lead us with the Spirit. So the flesh fights against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh, so we don't do the things that we wish. This is the end of the book of Galatians. So, yeah, we can be hindered. We can hinder the work of the Spirit by living by the flesh and not giving everything over to Christ. All right. So, thank you very much. We have another question from Kimberly. Kimberly says, decades ago, a pastor told me that God took away my gift of visions. It was being abused by older Christians I trusted. I don't know bet I didn't know I don't didn't know better. Why wouldn't God just tell me to stop? Um, Kimberly, I don't know enough about the visions. As far as I know, there's no gift of visions in the Bible. That doesn't mean the Holy Spirit can't give you visions or how you would use them. I don't know how they could have been abused by others. I I would just need to talk to you more about what you mean. Um, because I could take a lot of guesses on this. Uh, We want to be careful that we are not doing something that we we are doing and calling it the work of the Spirit. And being in Pentecostal churches, charismatic churches for a lot of years, from the time that I was 16 until the time that I was 23, a lot of years in an Assembly of God church, a a really wild charismatic church, and then in a four-square church. I saw a lot of people doing things that they claimed was God that wasn't God. A lot of things that weren't biblical that they were saying was God that wasn't God and blaming it on the Holy Spirit. We've seen people, the laughter of the Holy Spirit and and, and, and acting like animals by the Holy Spirit. So we want to be careful. 
And so the gift of visions, I, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's been there all along. I just haven't seen it. I just don't know that the Bible talks about the gift of visions. I just want to be honest, Kimberly. Um, and could it be that God was using visions in your life? Yeah, I, I believe you. it could be. Um, but I don't know. Um, it was being abused by older Christians you trusted. Um, well, you're under the authority of the pastor, right? So the pastor is leading and guiding you, and he's watching out for your soul. and He's got to give an account, Hebrews tells us. So if God uses a pastor to say you need to stop, then you should stop or go find another pastor to be under. But, you know, submission is an interesting thing. When you submit to the authority, you're saying, I want to do what God wants me to do. And then you submit to the authority and God honors you for your submission. If, if, if power is being abused and you want to get out of there, but I would say if a pastor told you, saw what was going on, that you would trust that pastor. He's an elder. He's called by God to be a leader. Um, we are told to submit to those who are in authority over us. And so I think it was a good thing for you to submit. Why wouldn't God just tell you? Well, because God doesn't all, God uses people. God doesn't speak audibly to any of us, but God uses people to be able to tell us things, Kimberly. And God was using a pastor to speak to you at that time. And this is one of the dangers when someone has the gift of prophecy, or like you said, you have visions. One of the dangers is we start thinking we're hearing from God. I don't need anybody else. No, what you hear from God could be wrong. Your vision could be something else. That's why you don't rely on it. The Bible says, let one prophesy and let the others judge. You prophesy and that's it. Your authority, once you, if you're a prophet, is done once you bring your prophecy. So let's look at a couple more questions and we'll, we'll call it um, a video. So we have another question here. What do you think the Holy Spirit, or what do you think the Holy Spirit thinks about pastors um, belittling his people without even knowing them? H&M or HM? I think that's pretty creepy. I think it's bad. I think the Holy Spirit's not happy with it. I think a pastor should never belittle the people who are under him. He is a co-shepherd when the chief shepherd appears, he will hand it off to the chief shepherd. We are, we are only overseeing God's flock. And a pastor should not lord over people, shouldn't belittle people. It's a problem. Now, there is H&M, to be honest with you, or H&M, to be honest with you, there is a possibility that you may be reading it wrong. I'm not saying you are. I'm just saying we want to be humble as we approach these kind of things and begin to seek God. And what should you do if you're under a pastor who's belittling you? Find another pastor. There's plenty of churches out there. Find somebody that doesn't do this. If he genuinely is belittling, belittling you, then find someone else who will be able to come along and um, alongside of you and, and really teach you and help you. But I do think that we should not um, lord over people, Tell people what to do. Gomer pile them. Shame, shame, shame. Um, you should, we, we as pastors need to encourage, strengthen, call out sin where sin is. And sometimes that means being harsh and being direct. Even though people might not like things being direct, sometimes we need to be direct when we do that. All right. So let's take a look. Um, Jari has another question. Jari says, can the Holy Spirit protect you? 
from certain dangers. Someone is about to attack you and then you stop dead in your tracks. I uh, heard stories. Um, yeah, I've heard stories too. And Jari, I am, I've always been skeptical. And I am skeptical when I hear someone tell me they saw angels. They, you know, had something happen. But also, I've had something happen in my life at least two times where I believe that God has protected me from dying. One of them incredibly supernatural. We had our boat on our trip. Uh, I have a boat and I have a truck, had a truck, I got a different truck now. The boat came unhitched on I-40 or maybe it was I-17 before I-40 in Flagstaff. And it started just pulling the truck all over the place because there's chains holding it in place or cables actually holding it in place. And I fought it to a stop. And the slower I got, the worse the back and forth got. And I thought the truck was going to flip. And when we got out of the car, me and my wife, my wife's a witness to this. We walked around behind it. There was the hitch. The boat was directly under the hitch. Exactly. The cables were, had been ground off and were laying beside it. And all the wires had busted that were, there's nothing holding the boat on. But we came to a complete stop and the boat stopped directly behind us. When the boat started getting frantic and going back and forth, I cried out, Lord, help me. Now, do I need to be filled with the Spirit for the Spirit to protect me? For God to come in my life, Jari, and give me protection? The Spirit may very well be the one who protects me. But being Spirit-filled, I don't know, really does that any more than being a Christian who is, or, or being empowered by the Spirit. I don't know that it does that any more than God just watching out for His believers and watching out for Christians. Um, I'm skeptical when I hear most stories. People will probably be skeptical about my boat story, whether or not I was really in danger. Listen, you weren't there. Three lanes of traffic, and we're flying all over the place, and we were able to bring that thing to a stop, and it was amazing. And um, I believe God's hand was on my life there. And I think that some of these stories can be true. I also think that I'm just going to speak real. In the charismatic and the Pentecostal realm, a lot of times there's a one-upmanship trying to take place. And I think sometimes people genuinely think things have happened or they end up believing their own stories. They're just telling stories and they end up believing them, but they never happened. I had people confident that God had told them they were supposed to marry a person. God told me that and, and that person married another person. I've seen, in, remember, I've been about five years in Pentecostal churches and one of them, a crazy Pentecostal church. I've had them lay hands on me, been slain in the spirit. I have spoken tongues. I've spoken tongues in church. I have been in Pentecostal churches and I've seen a lot of abuses and strange things happen. And I'm skeptical when people start saying, making claims about things that God does in their lives. Now, could God save them and protect them? Make them stop? I mean, God, I think that happens to Christians all the time. I think God's hands are over our lives and we are, we have an appointment for death and we will not find that appointment until it actually takes place. So yeah, when someone tells me something supernatural happened, I always question it. Doesn't mean it didn't happen. It happened to me. Um, I've also seen a UFO. Doesn't mean I saw aliens. I saw an unidentified flying object and I could tell you about that someday. Um, but hey, those are my experiences. Now that doesn't make one thing the truth and another thing not the truth. All right. So thank you very much. I appreciate you. I hope this has been helpful when it comes to the infilling or the power of the Holy Spirit. I think this is a balanced position that there is a second, maybe even a third, a fourth, a continued infilling of the Holy Spirit. And if you have never received the Holy Spirit after 
you have been born again, then pray to receive the Holy Spirit. Pray, pray that he will come upon you. Pray you to be baptized. Pray you be filled. I don't care what you call it. Just ask God to continue to empower you and work in your life. And I believe that these things are provided so we can do the work that God has called us to do, the giftings of the Spirit. All right? So God bless you guys. Love you. It's been good spending this time with you. I will see you later on. I am out. See you guys uh, Wednesday for our Q&A and then our service afterwards. All right? God bless you guys.